Hello and welcome to the Dan Assor podcast. I'd like to start by thanking my community patrons, Rev Risney, Easy Fairs, Hive Group PLC, Tarsus, 19 Events, Smart Digital and SISO. You can watch all of my content on YouTube. Please search for Dan Assor or head to danassor.com. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on my first guest, Janice Telstar. Hi, Dan. How are you today, Janice? Wonderful. Thanks for having me, inviting me on your show. No, that's, that's an absolute pleasure. And thank you for joining. And we are live. Just double check. So that's always good because you always have like a bit of a, a panic as to see whether it's the technology is working. But we are live. So that's great. <laughs> we're going to do a bit more of an intro to you in a minute, but I'm going to bring on Nancy before she gets uh, frustrated sitting there by herself. So here we are, Nancy Friedman. The only, world's only telephone doctor. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> She's already in promotion mode. Um, so Nancy, nice to meet you. Nice to see you. Not I've met you. Nice to see you. Janice, so, you look lovely. Dan, you look lovely. Oh, well, you know, flattery will get you everywhere. Um, Janice, tell us where you are. What part of the world are you in? You're, you're in Pennsylvania, I understand. I am just outside of Philadelphia, where I've spent Ooh. most of my life and career. And uh, I, I was uh, in the Convention and Visitors Bureau. I worked at the Convention and Visitors Bureau there in Philadelphia for 34 years. That deserves <laughs> a round of applause. You're right. You're right. And we're, we're going to come back to that because I think it's fascinating how you know, people of today or, or, or millennials or whatever you call them, Generation Z, always think they've got to move, got to move. But actually, they're, they're definitely positives for sticking it out, sticking around. Um, so you're going to tell us a bit more about what you've been doing, obviously. But Nancy, just um, give us an intro to you briefly, if that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> that's so rude, but I love it. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Oh, you forgot the mask. Okay, now I can take it off. Okay. Yeah. Um, I miss my hair. Bottom line, Telephone Doctor, we help companies communicate better with their customers and coworkers. We have online training called Service Skills with an S, serviceskills.com. Yep. It's a unique platform and we can talk about that later, but our job is to help companies who don't get it, if you will, uh, just with common sense techniques. Yeah, fantastic. So today we're gonna be talking all about customer service which may not sound exciting on the outset, but actually is incredibly important, right? Common um, sense is not so common, yeah. You know, regardless of what industry you're in, whether it's consumer business, whether you buy products online or in a shop or it's a business setting, you only get, I don't know if this translates to the US, but you, we always say you only get one chance to make a, um, a good impression, right? Absolutely. You get less than 20 seconds. Less than 20 seconds. So... I think to start off with, I'll come to you, Janice, first. Um, and actually, before you answer the question, if you could sort of bring to life what you did for those 34 years and how sort of customer service played its part. I want to talk about your biggest, the biggest frustrations that you think or where sort of customer service is not done greatly. So it, give us your view to start off with. So basically, my, my role for the past 34 years was to be an advocate and boots on the ground for my customers. Yeah, It was my job to become a part of their team. And frankly, the biggest compliment I could get from a customer at the end of the day was to be invited to their staff appreciation dinner at the end of their event, because that meant that I had in, infiltrated their team and they felt they, they thought that I was part of the family of their convention family. So that that to me meant that the service I provided was successful because they embraced me as part of the team. Sure. So. What does that mean to be an advocate and boots on the ground for a customer? Wow, that range is pretty, pretty from for, uh, inclusive. I mean, it includes everything from the ordinary to the extraordinary. And I have some examples I can share as we go through of what sure. some exemplary customer services. But your specific question about frustration? Yeah, frustrations. What, what you know, you're you're a consumer, or whether in in your in your trade during those thirty four years. What what customer service, you know, what would frustrate you in that respect? I think one of the biggest frustrations for us and for me in Philadelphia was some of the legal labor laws we had to work around. In okay. the I'm not talking out of school because everybody that's ever done a meeting in Philadelphia knows they had to deal with that sort of thing. So yeah. it was frustrating for us, but we and we were in the mix knowing all the rules, but imagine how the customer felt. 
coming sure. into the situation, they didn't even know what they didn't need to know. They didn't even know the questions to ask. Sure. So it was our job to be proactive and advocate for them in advance, provide frequently asked questions in advance, sit down with them before they were the deer in the headlights at the table with the whole group. So they knew what to ask and they knew what to expect. So I think the overall arching challenge there and frustration is just not knowing what you don't need to know as a customer. Yeah. yeah. And Nancy, same, same question to you. I mean, obviously you've just told us um, briefly what you do in Telephone Doctor, but you can bring that to life a bit more as well. I, I wanted to tell Jan, no, it's Janice. I've known Janice for over 10 years and I didn't know some of the things she just said. So thank you. The biggest frustration. Matt, I mean, this is fantastic. Look what we're doing here. We're making new connections. The biggest frustration from our surveys, and my surveys are my audiences when I go speak. If I have three, four hundred people in the audience, more or less, whatever, I take surveys. So the surveys are real from real people with real questions, with real answers. And the biggest frustration that has it comes up every single time is we're just not friendly enough. You know, yeah. customers, people should be treated like a welcome guest, and sometimes they're treated like an annoyance or, or even an interruption. You just have to go to the supermarket to find that, let alone a convention bureau. So people say, well, I didn't know her. Well, so what? That's when you got to be super friendly. It, yeah. it is an art, not a science. And uh, we've been in business 35 years as well uh, and, and proud of it. So tell, tell me, in terms of, um, that, I mean, that's 70 years between you. Wait, like, now, now I feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, could throw in, I could probably throw in, what am I, 47? So I could chuck in almost 30. We've almost got 100 years of, you know, <laughs> of customer service experience. So what I got to move my wheelchair just a moment. <laughs> what we don't know is not worth not knowing. Well, you know. So what sort of clients do you deal with, Nancy? T tell me about that. My client base is so universal, so worldwide. Um, we performed in the UK, Australia, United Kingdom, well, United Kingdom, UK, United Kingdom. I'm a blonde. I get that mixed up sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Turkey. You know, people ask me all over the world, Nancy, where are people the nicest and where are people the rudest? Yeah. My answer is simple. People are people are people are people. I have met, believe it or not, nice people from New York. And I have met, <laughs> I have met rude people from the south. So sure. it, it just were people, and it, if you're treated well, I mean, one word, one look can destroy a whole relationship. It just happened yesterday. I walked into a drugstore here in St. Louis, worldwide, or I should say, U.S. wide, and I was in such a good mood. And the cashier didn't smile, didn't say thank you. I mean, it, and she blurted out something not rude but unpleasant that I it yeah. just deflated me it's like i was in such a good mood but i'll be darned if i was going to let her change my attitude so it's just where you got to be friendly to everybody you don't know who you're talking to you know you don't walk in everybody's shoes and i didn't mean to be this long but that's what it is that's okay so yeah janice would you i mean obviously you've worked in philly for most of that time right if not all of that yeah. time but i guess you dealt with different people and also something I want to touch upon. So obviously Nancy there mentioned, okay, we might go into even a McDonald's or wherever you're dealing with a junior member of staff. Um, in terms of training internally, right? Because you can't do everything yourself. Right. A shopkeeper can't do everything themselves. So we might think, you know, Nancy spoke to someone. Maybe that means trained properly. So what, what sort of measures would you, would you have put in place for your team to deal with, um, you know, handing a customer? Yes, that's a great question because, as you know, we can't, like you said, we can't do everything ourselves. We have to delegate and we have to trust that our teammates are trained and care as much as we do. I mean, it's like the, it's like when you're on an airplane and you hear the announcement, if if there's a crash or anything happens, put your face mask on first and yeah. then you can help others. So to me, that means, and this is what we did really well at the convention bureau. I mean, I'm proud to say that we had great leaders there and yeah. there's main skill was choosing great people to work with. So I always had a great team above me, below me, beside me. I mean, I made such great lifetime friends and colleagues there, but back to the original question. So it was important that we, the face, when we put our face mask on, that's tantamount to training ourselves, going out into the community quarterly, going to all of the venues, knowing to us real training is knowing what's in the city, knowing what the resources are for the customer, uh, having people like Nancy do webinars for our team, 
Yeah. Um, talking to the locals, going to the various hotels in the city, doing tours, knowing what their ballroom specs are. Where's the biggest ballroom in the city? Where's the smallest ballroom in the city? What's the best venue for a VIP dinner for 15 people for your board of yeah. directors? It was up to yeah. us to know all that. And we, we were very, um, we love getting out into the community. Let's face it. It's not a bad gig to have to go out to dinner and test out the new restaurant. <laughs> no, we're definitely going to do that when I come over to visit you. As well. <laughs> You're going to show me exactly. And, um, and Nat, I'll, tell you where, I'll tell you where I'm going to take you, Dan. I'm going to take you to the restaurants that know my name, restaurants that I know. I'll deliver, yeah. we'll deliver a stellar experience, not because I'm Janice Telstar, but because when I bring my customers there, they know that's future business for them. And they've sure. already trained their staff. Sure. So we tend to go to places where when you walk in the door, yeah. they say, welcome home. Well, it's interesting you make that point because having been to obviously the States a lot of times, the service in the States, in my opinion, is brilliant. Um, it's possibly because obviously they mostly a lot of them work on tips rather than, you know, flat wage. So, you know, whether it's all um, genuine or not, but I've always found it really good. I think Europe and the UK is not not so much. Um, so I think they have a lot to learn. Nancy, you mentioned obviously working elsewhere around the world. I understand that people are people, um, but also there are different nuances and subtleties, aren't there, about whether, you know, if you go to China, you've got, you act differently, whether it's the way you say hello to somebody. So... How do you, if you're dealing with a client, do you have to adapt your practices? That is a great question and not often. Hey, that's two good questions. Yeah, yeah, but not often asked, asked. I mean, you're going not off the cuff, but you're, you're not going by a script and your audience. No, 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 no. Just, you know, uh, freestyling. Never been to China, but I, I live the life that people are people are people are people. And when you treat yeah. people fun and good, you're going to get it back no matter what language they speak, because the one language that everybody has is the smile. So, yeah. and I cannot say it enough times that when you talk, especially, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be sexist, but men don't smile enough. They just don't. And please don't write letters or yell at me. Um, I, and my old husband, my husband finally walks around with a slight grin on his face. Now, sometimes he looks like an idiot. No, never, never, yeah. never. But he knows that when people look at him, you know, show me a picture that you don't like. And I'll yeah. show you a picture where you're not smiling. It's just that simple. So whether it was UK or Turkey, uh, a funny story in Turkey, if I may, very quickly, I was doing it and they were translating for me uh, with the earphones. They had a, you know, a Turkish person speaking to the people and the audience was quite large and they laughed at all the wrong spots. And I thought, this is odd. This is really weird. Okay. I'm funny, but they're not getting the right jokes. And when it was all over, I finally went to the interpreter and he said, well, you spoke so fast that they were laughing late. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't keep it. He couldn't keep up with me. Well, yeah, it's the same with me, I guess. If I'm speaking to, I did a show, a, a, a stint, a, one of these things in Russia, and I had to sort of, you know, make sure my pace was a bit different. And I forgot um, about that, but you're right. Yeah. So, what we're going to say is the number one frustration in customer service. Just give me one, Janice. What's your number one frustration? Uh, I think not not caring enough and not investing yourself in what you need to do to be a good service person, a good services representative. Not caring enough, I think, would be it. Sure. And, Nancy? Oh, sorry. Sorry, I'll cut you off. Not over delivering. I like to under-promise and over-deliver. I like the client at the end to say, wow. I like to wow them. And the, the, more, the more challenging the client, the harder I'll work to make it happen. So, sure. And let me ask a question to Janice. Is hold, it on, hold on, let me show us this. <laughs> I, I, I over for one minute. When you have, let's say, XYZ client comes to Philadelphia and does a smash show and they say, wow, is that not food for coming back to Philadelphia? Oh, absolutely. I okay, mean, so the old saying goes, and no offense to salespeople, but the salespeople get the handshakes, the services people get the hugs. So oh. if you provide that, that's part of the equation for a customer to determine whether or not they'll come back to a city. Granted, it's not the only factor. They need the right amount of space, the right price, the number of hotel rooms, oh. the number of hotel rooms. Stan doesn't like us. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm honest, if I'm honest. Welcome, Dan Asser. Dan, welcome. Tell us about yourself. <laughs> if I'm honest, oh, yes. I have, I have, I have to let my cat out the door. Oh, I have a question for Dan. Yeah. As a, as a consumer, 
What is your biggest frustration? God, you've really taken over, haven't you, now? Like, um, <laughs> as a consumer, I think, well, over the last 30 years, it's all these switchboards, press one, press two, press, which I, everyone hates. Um, so whilst technology and the digitalization of customer service in a lot of respects has been a positive, I think also it's put up too many barriers. And I think companies have used it, you know, to the nth degree where they don't need to. So I think not being able to speak to a human being is... is that's, that's number two in America. The, is it? Yeah, the automatic attendant. And I, I promised you I'd keep this show clean, but I have more words to talk to the automated attendant than I've ever said in my life. <laughs> more off the cuff words. My husband comes in and says, who are you swearing at? I said, nobody. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So that, that's your frustrations, right? How do we deal with it then? Tell me, I'll start with you, Janice. 34 years of experience. Mm -hmm. Give me some of the, the top sort of tenants that you think of of customer of good customer spirit or exemplary customer service. Well, I think the most important one is the simplest one, and that's communication. I mean, a meeting planner has how many things on their to-do list every day? Hundreds in some cases. And they cannot be bothered with, I called Janice, I need to get back, she needs to get back to me on this. I feel like it's my responsibility to be timely in my response, even if I don't have an answer right away. Let sure. them know that you receive the request so they can cross it off their list. Okay, she has it, she's going to run with it and get back to me. So timely response. I mean, that in all the years I've worked with customers, that's the one thing that keeps coming up as this is what I really liked about working with you, Janice. You always got back to me within a day or a day and a half. I knew you were on it. That They really appreciate that. I yeah. think that's I'm managing expectations, right? So even if you just reference, you've got the request or whatever. Yeah. I'll come back to you in X amount of time or when's when's good for you. You know, I think that's, that's, that's something we should all do more of. Absolutely. And may, I, may I speak to Janice on that? Because that speaks directly to telephone doctor training as rapid response. People okay. don't realize how important it is. You get an email, message received, get back to you later. Rapid yeah. response instead of ignoring something. Kudos to you. Right, RR, rapid response. Yeah. Uh, any others, Janice, before I move to that, Nancy? What, um, what would you... Nancy, what about you? Do you have one of those? Have one of what? Well, wait, I'll, I'll do another one and you can give yeah. me what the telephone doctor calls it. How's that? Okay. Um, so... I think I talked a little bit more about being proactive and about knowing, you know, trying to figure out what a customer needs to know before they even need know they need to know. For instance, we had a big convention in town during the same weekend as one of the big road races in the city where they closed all the streets. Client had no idea this race was happening, nor of the implications that would have on their shuttle busing and getting people from the hotels to the opening general session. So you as the services person have to be proactive and know what's happening when it's happening and to that end i gathered all the traffic police and the the lieutenants and the the, the local people that were important to make this happen and got them together with the customer and the shuttle bus company and we all were ironed it out ahead of time so there were no surprises but the client wouldn't know to ask that so you have to be proactive with a million things that's just one example yeah what do you say about that nancy I say that correlates to what we call the PAP test, P-A-P. Okay. Now, it's not what you think, Janice. Getting dirty again. Man. No, no, there's nothing. This is good, clean. Children, children listen up. The PAP I, test. I, I, I love Americans because you have like a, an abbreviation or whatever for everything, right? <laughs> we do. We do. The PAP test is there are three styles of person, not personality, there's work styles, passive, average, and proactive. None of them are bad they are usually put in the wrong position, which makes them look bad. So passive people accept information and do nothing with it. It happens all the time at the grocery store. You give them your check, your name is on it, you give them a credit card, your name is on it, but they never say, well, thank you, Mrs. Friedman, glad you're here. So they don't do anything. Average people are just that. They they don't think in that fast enough to do the better things. They do the okay things and you're satisfied with them because it wasn't horrible. The proactive, proactive people are Janice. They say, I will call you tomorrow. You will have an answer or I will find it for you. That's a proactive individual. Now it so happens, maybe that's why we like each other, Janice, that we're both proactive people and we've never missed a phone call. We've never, you know, I got your email, can't talk now. That's good communication. So you're spot on, friend. Yeah. And um, 
I think also depends, I guess, also on the size of the organization. Well, it probably shouldn't depend because we should have good customer service regardless of the size. But if you're scaling a business, whether let's say an events business or any business, and all of a sudden you go from one person, 20, 30, 500, what are the things a company can do? Because uh, Janice, I come to you first, you know, I guess when you started, I don't know, you maybe dealt with fewer clients than you did towards the end. Right. The people that you had at the beginning, you built a relationship with and you couldn't always deal with them yourself. As you said, we spoke about delegation. Right. So what are the methods and procedures and processes people pe people can put in place so they, that customer service doesn't well, doesn't it's, it's interesting because what I found was that the smaller clients that maybe had previously hosted their meeting in a, in a large hotel, like an Opryland, and then moved to a convention center when they came to Philadelphia, smaller groups, they needed more handholding and more servicing than the bigger customers. Right. They were on, there was a much bigger learning curve for them. Sure. So by the time I got to handle the larger groups, then I almost had been through all the hard stuff. Yeah. And, and as you know, Dan, probably from being in the trade show business for so long, it's Really not, not that, that long, long, not that long. Come on. Yeah, you got 35 years in too. <laughs> you get to be back. You get to be back now. Yeah. It's really not that much different as far as how no. you service. It's all about, I think, attitude, reaction time, being proactive, and becoming part of their team and really listening. I mean, one of the things that I used to do with every customer when I first met them was I would sit down and ask them what Besides revenue, bottom line dollars, what is the one most important thing to you about this meeting? What will make you look great to your boss at the end of the day that you have to have happen? And I would always try to make sure that my team knew what that thing was so that that yeah. would happen. We could make that happen. Yeah, I think you make, I mean, just quickly, Nancy, before I come to you, just to draw a parallel with my experience. So, you know, I was definitely on the more the commercial side. You talk about salespeople, but I always try to instill in people that, Okay, so you've got a client, they're not spending a lot of money. It's a small client, but it's their first time coming into a show. As you say, they're going to need a bit more work, right? Account managing because they're either not used to the show, they're not, da, 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 da. but don't ignore them because A, you know, just human to human, you should give them the time they need. And B, those smaller companies, if it works and you handhold them, they're going to go up the food chain, right? And could become bigger ones. So in a funny way, as you say, you need to give more time to sometimes the smaller ones. And I guess, and, and maybe Nancy, you do this in organizations, maybe um, you have you know different schemes for different types of companies or sizes of companies. Would that be right that you work with? Before you answer that, Nancy, let me just say, we all, I think, have seen that scene in, in Telethon, in um, Pretty Woman, where Julia Roberts comes back at the end after they ignored her when they thought yes, she was yes, 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 yes. big, you work on commission, big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good analogy. I like that. Uh, rephrase the question. Of no, I'm just saying, so let's say, because um, I guess you deal with companies all, all different oh, yeah. shapes, yeah. all different shapes and sizes, right? The, so, size, the size of, I'm sorry, go ahead. That's it. I need to tell you, my husband says I'm an interrupter. I say I'm interjecting. Interjecting says, I'm going to talk and then you get to continue. Interrupters say, I'm talking, you're done. So I what think, do you I, I, think I need to meet your husband. <laughs> Can you get him on, please? <laughs> yeah, he normally pops in. I don't think he's shaved. Um, so, yeah, so I guess what I'm saying is, right, so actually let me reframe, let me reframe the question. So sure. you do customer service, right? You help people. But you also have to be good at your own customer service, right? <laughs> Obviously. Okay. So you've probably got clients of all different shapes and sizes. So how do you prioritize, you know, how do you work differently with, with your clients? I don't work differently. Okay. Nancy is Nancy is Nancy is Nancy. They get the same mentality, enthusiasm. I can... I can better explain it with this. Are you familiar with the actor Yul Brenner? He he had the longest running uh, play on Broadway, The King and yeah, I. He was, the, he was in The King and I. Right, and he had the longest running, and he was interviewed. Yeah. Uh, I forget what paper, but they said, "Mr. Brenner, you say the same words to the same people every night, seven nights a week, yeah. 
twice in the daytime and you never lose your enthusiasm. How do you do it? And without missing a beat, he said, it's always a different audience. <laughs> it's always a different audience. Yeah. So yeah. My audience excites me. My audience excites me, whether it's three people or 3,000 people, and I've done them both. Uh, the Zoom meetings have been as effective and fun as the on-site. Yeah. They're just, I won't say there's no difference. There is difference. But, you know, you're laughing here. You're having a good time here. We would have the same time if you if we were sitting, you know, in a live studio uh, together. So what you see is what you get. Yeah. I don't have a program for three people and I don't have a program for 3,000. While the content may be different, and it usually is, the content is different, It it's Nancy 100% of the time. Yeah. I think, I think you make a good parallel, actually, to a, to a play because or a live performance, right? Because we've all been been there, whether it's music or it's a, or it's, it's right. a performance. And actually, you're right, because if you think about it, you go there on the matinee or the evening or whatever, and it's been on for a year and it's the same cast a lot of the time. And you expect a certain right. level of performance, right? It's just yeah. a given, right? And you don't think they've got those people got to come on like twice a day sometimes and give the same same performance. So and essentially that's their customer service, right? That's what they're doing. Absolutely. You know, people yeah. say people say, Well, at the end of the day at five o'clock, I'm so tired of saying the yeah. same thing over and over. And I always bring that Yul Brenner story in because it doesn't matter what time it is, the person on the other end of the phone hasn't been there yet. Yeah, I like that. That's, I'm going to use that going forward for myself. I think that's a really good um, life lesson. Tip, free then, tip, free tip, free tip. Oh, I think thank you. Thing oh, by the way, we didn't mention the free pen, but um, <laughs> um, opportunity. If people got a question and uh, Nancy or Janice can't answer it, can I sh can I show it? If there, if there's if you stump Janice or stump me, you're going to get telephone yeah. doctor pen set, four color pen, ink rollerball ink. Yeah, I love it. It's good luck pens. The, the thing is, Nancy, I'm not sure there's any chance of you being stumped. <laughs> so I think I'm it's trying to think if any. Well, if they go all of they, if they go out of my wheelhouse, then I always defer to my my cohorts that are better at it than I am. Let's talk about events and speakers and professionals. So, Janice, I'll come to you if that's all right. Um, we've all been to events, uh, obviously run events, meetings, conferences, etc um you've spoken to speakers what, what do they say to you about customer service and how they looked after and how they think they should be looked after oh that's interesting because nancy and i have had conversations like that since nancy is a speaker she speaks all over sure. the world as you know and you know one of the things that she said i'm going to steal her thunder here for a minute i hope she doesn't mind right. she has lots of extra stories to tell so i'm not worried about stealing too many of them <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> one of the things over, and I never even thought of this, but when a speaker comes to a conference, they show up and they have a logistics person that they're supposed to meet to tell them where to go and take them backstage and get them up to where they're, but, but they don't really have anybody to, to ingratiate them into the actual membership. Wouldn't sure. it be great if they had an ambassador that could meet them the night before, usher them into the reception for the new membership maybe, or for the actual memberships that they have a face-to-face -face opportunity with the membership before they're on the stage. Sure. You, make a, you make a good point. I'm going to add on to that because we did have that conversation. When speak, now, now, granted, if you're Colin Powell or, you know, if you're somebody huge, mega, mega star, uh, they get star treatment. But uh, Nancy Friedman will get good, very good treatment. I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but they, they may say, well, come to our welcome party. Oh, sure. We'd love to. That's fine. But there's never been somebody say, I'll take you around and introduce you to people. I'm supposed to go up and say, hi, I'm Nancy Friedman, your speaker tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm proactive. Especially if you're so shy as well, that might be must be so difficult. In a social <laughs> like that, I sort of lay low and, and, until my time to shine is. I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. And I have no problem saying hi, I'm Nancy Friedman, the speaker, and they go, Oh, nice to meet you. But it would Janice, you're right. It just would be and maybe some some conferences do have an ambassador. I've never heard of it, but that doesn't mean it didn't happen. Uh to take to take you we just traded with that right now, right? The word ambassador? I don't think so. 
Well, I think also it really depends on the type of show. So, again, trade shows that I ran had 500 speakers across the day, a few days. Wow. So, you know, there's a cost implication, let's face it. I can't, you know, you can't um, assign somebody to every speaker that's coming in. However, there are certain things you can do, which is outside having like a, you know, an obvious sign saying speakers come here, have some sort of chaperone going backwards and forwards. Uh, rather than just maybe let them wander into the hall and not know where they're going. I mean, regardless of whether you've paid for that speaker or they're coming to speak for free, well, funny enough, if they're coming to speak for free, you possibly should look after them even more um, <laughs> because they're giving up their time. But, but if, you've, if you've gone to the effort of investing into paying for them, you should look after them. I I can't imagine. I've never been at a, at a trade show where there's a speaker with 500 people in two days. So that doesn't even compute to me. Yeah. You, there's a keynote speaker and then breakouts of speakers. Well, no, because you have trade show, big open floor, about 10 theatres. You've got 20 sessions in each theatre a day. So there's about, yeah, four or 500 sessions over two days. Wow. Um, and then you have panellists. So actually, it's probably more than 500. Um, well, I'm going, I'm talking more of the smaller. Sure, the I'm just smaller, saying. You know. Yeah. But you still need to, but small or big, you need to still work out how you look after your speakers. And that comes to catering as well, Janice, as well, stuff like that when they're when they're on site and, you know, where they know where everything is. Right, right, right. And they need to also have an electronic place to go to, to do less yep. just to their presentations, that sort of thing. Yep. I think it's also kind of segueing a little bit from speakers to services, which is what the equation for the heading of this of this session is, yeah. is um, taking advantage of the local speakers in a market where you are. Um, okay. Or, uh, you know, for... For a services manager, whether you're in a hotel or a convention bureau or a convention center, for that matter, I think it's an, it's the onus is on us to tell the customer, hey, this could save you some money. You could book some of these are some great speakers here, motivational speakers related to your session. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we did well in Philadelphia, I thought, was um, something called the local connectors the community connectors. We took advantage of all of the academics and the universities in the city, which are plentiful. And we would connect. So if there was a, um, a convention on, we had the Neurological Association meeting in Philadelphia. We partnered with University of Pennsylvania and created a for the community so that could come out and learn about brain health. So it gave exposure to the association for something or doing good for the community. And it also yeah. educated the community. So, and we, we used a lot of speakers or the client used a lot of speakers from that curriculum to have on site. So that's another way that we can service with speakers. Fantastic. And actually, sorry, say that again, Nancy. I said, sometimes she even recommended me. <laughs> I would always um, want to Nancy was coming through town so we could hook her up with the convention. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned, um, I think, uh, cost-effective ways as well. Give us some idea, Nancy, of some cost, um, some easy, even no-cost ways that the industry can do better customer service, whether it's speakers. Oh or... The list the list is endless. I mean, there's... Well, just give us a few because I've got to go and watch the talk again. Oh, this, is only <laughs> this is only an hour show. You probably have another guest after us. No. <laughs> Janice, your lighting looked better. You just lit up. It looked better. I'm just saying. Okay, never mind. Uh, there's a there's a litany of of uh, of ways to train. Oh, cost effective way, yeah, or no cost ways, yeah. Uh, low cost ways. Training isn't expensive. Losing losing employees or losing customers is expensive. That's yeah. what's expensive. So when people say, you know, we can't afford you, it's like because I'm not expensive. But it's usually a what do they call it a, a not a snow a snow job a smoke job. They, they, it's not the real reason because conferences pay a lot more money for those big names without getting an eye. So my little amount is nothing, and the Zoom programs are practically free. But yeah. training, it's like treating yourself for a disease. You should go to the doctor. Yes, you can have internal training, and you should have internal training, but. Are you familiar with the story about the lady across the street? I don't know, Dan, do you have kids? I have two lovely okay. young daughters. Okay, so when they were little, they would run across the street and come home and say, Mommy, Daddy, I shouldn't do this. I should use a napkin. I shouldn't do this. Well, who told you that? Mrs. Jones across the street. Well, we've been telling you that for years, but Mrs. Jones knows best. It's always the lady from across the street that knows better. Now, if you can tell me where I was going with this story, we'll be very... <laughs> 
I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's. It, I wonder who Mr. Jones. I was, I was going to ask you who Mr. Jones was. Doing an outside training as opposed to, and that's right. The the internal trainers are good, but they're there every single day. They sure. don't see it as an outsider. So when I come in, I see things like an accountant would, or or a handyman might see a crack in the wall that I never noticed. Uh, you know, my husband might be able to see, look around, everything looks good. But you bring a professional in. And all of a sudden you see a different, a different house and everything. So the same thing goes with the speaker. When you can bring an outside speaker in for whatever dollars, uh, it will save you many thousands of dollars in lost revenue for from customers and business and product. Um, you know what? I think you're right, Nancy. It took me um, a few years, or actually as I got older, to realize that it's not always about buying at the lowest price, right? So whether it's a builder, a decorator, a speaker, whatever, you might feel good about yourself having got what you think is the best deal. But then ultimately, um, you might, you know, you might not get the best service or something you want out of it. So better sometimes to, for someone to walk away thinking they've been paid the right amount and that they then appreciate the relationship with you. Would you agree with that, Janice? Uh, see, Nance, it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would I would agree with that. And I, I can give you two other examples too of um, yeah. ways to save money but still have an impact. Um one is we had we had a you know and it involves the community once again. Everything involves your community, which means you need to be connected constantly to your community and know all the resources available to you. So we had a, a big client come in that wanted to do bring all their big exhibitors in to choose and identify their places to entertain while they were in the city during their convention. So that was bringing 40 giant exhibitors, huge life insurance companies. Yep. They're a meeting planner. They come into the city and they want to look at 30, 40 venues. That's impossible in a day or two with that many people. So we organized the trade show for all of the potential venues that the client could see. Oh, that's great. Save them time and money of running around the city. Yeah, really good extra days and it worked out great and the, the yeah. venues and the hotels got the business and the client got what they needed and that's such a simple idea as well right i mean well idea it didn't, yeah. cost, it didn't cost anything except you know maybe a few yeah. little tchotchkes here and there sure um, does he know what tchotchkes is i'm assuming it's tantamount to uh you know a brown envelope in the uk <laughs> <laughs> oh here we go what have you got what merch have you got here what swag swag and then the right. other the other thing again community related cost saving but yet huge impact um, we had a convention who's uh, the american heart association their colors red they have red day they have their red ball yeah. uh, the heart ball um we asked all of these buildings in town to light up their buildings red oh, wow. anything but can you imagine the impact at night when the uh, delegates were walking around town and the whole sky sure. was red amazing so yeah Innovative ideas. I think um, you should be a consultant to the industry. Funny you should mention that. I am doing a little fledgling business. So anybody out there who likes any of these ideas and needs more customer service tips and tricks, give me a it. We're gonna and we're I, we're, we're all gonna set up a business together. It's called the Nancy Jan Janice and Dan uh, customer service consultancy. Dan, Jan, and Nan. How's that? Dan, Jan, and Nan. Oh, that's really good, actually. Yeah. Um, I think we've just launched a new thing. So pandemic strikes, Nancy, um, obviously, I guess, it affected your business and also generally affects other people's businesses. Um, how has customer service changed, you think? Because obviously a lot of it's done virtually and people have been stuck indoors. What, what's your view? Good, good question. I'm very glad we asked this one because yeah. I get so many calls and emails. Nancy, they're all working from remote. What, how can we, what's the customer service? I mean, they were like up in arms. And I said, what were you doing before the pandemic? Well, we were smiling. We were happy. We were, I said, why would you change? Why would you change? You just yeah. got to do more of what you're doing. Oh my, I didn't think of that. So it's just doing, I mean, it's it's like cooking. If, you, if your kitchen was closed and you had to cook outdoor, you'd still cook. And you'd probably make, you know, the same food type thing. Maybe that's not a great analogy, but it's what I thought of right now. The, yeah. The, the, the customer service during pandemic went down, um, loss of people, obviously, but 
there's ways to handle that. There's, you know, training becomes so important during the pandemic. Our serviceskills.com, which is our online platform, e-learning platform, had a very nice surge because of the, the yeah. learning that was so critical for people who weren't familiar with it. You know, how should I answer the phone at home? Well, how did you answer it at work? Well, hello, yeah. that's you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's rocket science, but people were mystified with the difference between working in an office with 40 people or sitting at home in their office alone. And it shouldn't make a difference. Uh, well, the like, technology sometimes, I guess, will make a difference. You well, know, when we all had to work from home back in March, the systems weren't necessarily all set up. And then you also have to think about how you're monitoring people. So, it, you know, there, there's always going to be a bit of a adjustment. But one thing that human beings are good at, they typically do adjust quite quickly. Right. I think. So, right. Uh, and Janice, for you, in terms of the pandemic, what's in terms well, of customer I, service? And I think that the... The biggest challenge for our customers during the pandemic was the turnover in all of the venues they were using, the hotels, the yeah. restaurants for their board dinners, the convention center. They were constantly, who's my new contact? How do I get this out? So I felt like it was the onus. It was, it was endemic during the pandemic. Say that three times fast. Yeah. That sounds like a rap. That's like an Eminem <laughs> like M &M rap. It was endemic in the pandemic. <laughs> For us to responsibility of yeah, cool. putting that list together for the client because that was the biggest challenge. They didn't know who to go to. They didn't know who their new contacts were. And why should they have to explain five, six, seven times what their program is to a new person? Sure. That was my job to say to the hotelier, to the convention center event manager, here's what the client's looking for. Here's what they need to do. So when you hit talk to them for the first time, you're hitting the ground running and the client is already feeling like the city cares sure. and they care about them. Dan, I'm sure you did. Sorry. I'm sorry. Ask me this question. What's the big trait? You're now telling me what questions to ask you. Very bossy. She's very bossy. This one, you can ask anything else. You can even ask my agent after this. Ask me what is the biggest trait, the strongest trait an employer wants from an employee. It speaks right to what Janice was talking about. What's the biggest trait wanted by an employer from an employee? Okay, Nancy, what is the biggest trait wanted by an employer from an employee? Good question, Dan. Thank you. Uh, ownership, responsibility. And that's what you just said, Janice. You stepped up to the plate. I get it. When I ask that question in a program, I get honesty, attitude, longevity, blah, 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 blah. But when I survey them, it's always, I need somebody who's going to step up to the plate, take responsibility. And that's what you did and why you were so successful. You are so successful. Okay. Bye. Is that okay? Do you, any more questions you want me to ask specifically? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I'll just sit back and you just oh, like, you're, yeah. doing you're doing great. Thanks. Um, so for the final few minutes, um, CVP, CVB, shall I say, Janice, yes. talk to me. Bring yes. it to life for the, my, my UK audience. Okay, so what is a CMP? A CMP yeah. is a designation that a that um, the ambitious convention services event services person should attain to to get. It's a credential that says, A, I care. B, I want to learn. C, I'm interested in helping you the best I can. So, how do you get it? You um, it used to be um, well, you have to take a test to get the CMP. Obviously, sure. there are a lot of designations out there in our industry. CMP is one of them. Um, it. It, it's issued by, it used to be the uh, CLC Convention Industry Council. Now it's the Events Industry Council. And they, I think it's international that you, no matter where you are, so all of your UK listeners can still. Yeah, we were looking up before, right? So they're, yeah. they're, it, they're, it does translate. So, it's, and actually the, the council you meant, mentioned, obviously you were the past president of that, right? Uh, no, Events Industry Council is sorry, the one. The other, sorry. And, and yeah. also, um, if anybody out there is, is thinking of taking the CMP exam, it's mandatory in my mind that you that you join a study group because yeah. part of taking the CMP exam is, is, is taking the CMP exam. What I mean by that is you might think in the real world you answer a question this way, but according to the books and the regulations, you have to answer it that way. It's very important to take a study group. So, so Nancy, we'll come to you in a second. I know. So this is interesting. I'm, I'm learning about this. 
Would you say, Janice, people that are coming into the industry now, do you think that is one of the biggest tips you'll give them to get that accreditation? Um, well, in order to take the CMP, you have to have a certain number of credits. And the credits oh, okay. you get by attending conventions, writing uh, for periodicals, uh, moderating sessions, speaking. So it takes a while to be able to take the CMP. So okay. I wouldn't recommend doing that off the bat, but what I would recommend for anybody who's just coming into the industry. Yeah, give us some tips that cover people that are coming in. Yeah, get involved in an industry. I mean, I, I joined ESPA, Event Services Professionals Association, formerly ACOM, um, many, many years ago. And it was the best thing I ever did for my career. I learned, I met so many great people from other cities. It was a great networking opportunity. I made my way up through the board chain to become the president for one year. And um, I remember before I took the, the the position, my husband, I was debating, should I, shouldn't I? I was really busy at work that year. And my sure. husband gave me great advice. He said, if you're going to, if you're going to take it, make a difference. If you're just going to take it to take it, then don't yeah. bother. Yeah. So That's I decided to meet the challenge and I took it and, and president or not, I mean, not everybody wants to attain to that level of, le level sure. of leadership. You don't have to go that high, but get involved. Don't just join the association. Join a committee, network yeah. with other people, do the webinars when they come available. Say yes. Yeah, it's so easy now, isn't it? There's so yeah. much available to join. Nancy, would you agree with that? Well, what, what? it's just amazing how this, this conversation went because I do a lot of speaking in the franchise world, International Franchise Association, which of course is through the UK as well as uh, headquartered in Washington, DC here in the USA. And I became a member of the International Franchise Association and I was just a member. Janice, that, that's what I was, just a member. And then I sort of became involved and I started doing webinars for them and they liked that. And then I got, and I found out, oh, there's a supply forum for it. And so now I'm getting a little more involved um, and it, it's paying off, it's the bottom line. So it will always pay off when you get involved. It seldom pays off when you just yeah. join. Uh, the franchises, they call it the Fran family and uh, marvelous friends, good people, fun. And like you say, joining it has, has not changed my life, but enhanced my life. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and I think there's no excuse these days to not be able to look at what we're doing now, right? So we wouldn't have found each other if we weren't on social media or, or doing different things. So I think, you know, advice to younger people is you've got so many tools that you didn't necessarily have 40, 30, 40, even 25 years ago, right? You know, if, you want, if you want to connect with someone, I'm talking pre-email and stuff like that, find a phone number in the book and write to the letter and now it's just instant okay there's a lot of noise to get through but if you persistent you can do that and i think that's that for me would be advice in terms of you know consistently networking and getting involved in in the industry that you want okay so um in terms of sort of, sort of final thoughts nancy final well we don't have to you know i mean I... <laughs> She's not desperate to stay on for as long as possible. No, baby. No, you've been wonderful, Dan. You're a very good host. Go ahead. Um, give us some give us some final thoughts around the future, shall we say? So, you know, of customer service, whether it's implementation of new technology, it's coming on stream because that, you know, AI, all that sort of stuff that's changing all the time. What what's your view? Our method at Telephone Doctor and Service Skills has always been and always will be. The KISS method. Do you know what that is? Keep it simple, Simon. We used to all these, all these uh, what do you call them? Not anagrams. What are they called? Yeah, yeah. yeah, keep it yeah, simple. Yeah. Um, some people say keep it simple, stupid, but that's like a dirty word to me. I was never allowed to use the word stupid. So I always say keep it simple, Simon. Uh, yeah. the, we used to go to trade shows and there were competing training companies and you couldn't even pronounce their names. They were so, you know, Xfinity yeah. like help you or something. I don't know what it was. It was horrible names. And we kept telephone doctors for so long. And then my son created serviceskills.com, which is a online training platform. It's a small, unique boutique platform, 16 series, 150 modules. You know, we're not the biggest in the world. We didn't want to be. We're very happy doing this, but sure. keeping it simple, you can, people overthink so much. They scratch their head. They, it, it's common sense. You know, people say to me all day long, Nancy, all you're talking about is simple common sense. But we know that common sense is not out there. It's just not that common. So we're plugging along nicely, I might say. Yeah. 
selling, helping companies communicate better with their customers and coworkers. Sometimes we forget about our coworkers. Janice, you didn't. But in so many places, I mean, I get the ear of the, of the audience so many times. And I cannot tell you the number of times that people say, boy, I wish you could give this to my headquarters. I wish you could give this to my management. It's simple common sense. And yep. these are employees saying, I need help. Yeah, and same, same to you, Janice. I guess, you know, people coming into the industry and obviously we're hopefully coming out of the pandemic. What, what, where do you think, what the, what the future holds? What do you think it holds for the industry that you were in? Well, I think there are going to be a lot of new newbies in our industry that are coming from other industries or that are coming out through the new hospitality training curriculums that a lot of universities have started in the past few years. And I think that's going to be difficult for the meeting planners who are working with a lot of newbies. So I think it's incumbent upon the seasoned people that are, are, that are still in the industry that survived COVID and still have their jobs to really pay extra attention to training of their of their teammates and make sure yeah. that everybody down the line can provide the same level of service and understands what service really means and doing yeah. it like Nancy said with a smile all the time and just caring. Yeah. Oh that care is critical. What does it say people don't know how don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Remember that one? Got, have you got a book of these phrases? Just <laughs> They're all in here. They're all in here. I have, a, I have a note in my phone now. It's called Nancyisms, and every time she says one, I I add it. Well, I think what I'm going to do actually, when I when I so on the description on YouTube, when it stays up there, I think I might list all your phrases so people can uh, people can use them when they wish. Listen, ladies, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, we'll have to make we'll have. We'll have to make sure that we do it again. And, you know, I hope to be able to see you in person. Uh, you, when are you coming to the United States? Um, don't know. That's I mean, after, after, when, when we can actually fly anywhere at the moment, we're still stuck at home, most of us. So but hopefully we're coming out of lockdown soon and over the summer we'll be able to go places. So, well, Dan, um, we can wait for a gym steak on South Street when you get here. That'd be amazing. I could bring my cousin over as well, who I said. Uh, <laughs> hey, Dan. Does you think anybody re would remember that I was on the Ann Diamond Morning Show several years ago? Um, I don't if know. If you're old, if you're old and you remember me, hello. <laughs> <laughs> she was also on Oprah. She's so modest, she wouldn't tell you that, but she has appeared on Oprah as well. Well, thank you. If I can find it, send me a link. I'll also put that in, in the link of the in the description so that people can watch you. Um, but listen, thank you, uh, Nancy Friedman of the Telephone Doctor, Janice Telstar, CMP. We wish you the best of luck for the future. Um, you're two great people. We do. You're very passionate about what you do, so I'm sure you're going to continue to be a success. Um, and as I said, hopefully I'll I'll see you stateside very soon.